Today's five-star review, titled Excellent Podcast, Very Helpful Information, by Corbin Maxey. I recently discovered this podcast, and I'm 100% hooked. Each episode delivers useful information for anyone wanting to build their brand or social media presence. I've listened to a lot of podcasts in this genre, and Build Your Tribe is by far the best. Thank you, Shaleen and Brock, for sharing such great insight. Hey there, welcome to Build Your Tribe. My name is Shaleen Johnson. And my name is Brock Johnson. With more than 25 years of experience in a variety of businesses, I promise to share with you the ins, the outs, my failures, and successes. And my goal is to share with you these social media money-making strategies to turn your idea into passive income. Every week, my son, Brock, and I will share with you perspectives that will serve you regardless of the stage that you're at in your business. Whether you're a solo entrepreneur looking to grow your brand in social media or you've got dreams for a global brand, Build Your Tribe is here to serve you. All right, Mom, this one's all you. All right, well, today my guest is Allison Bird. I met Allison Bird. I was introduced to her through a fellow entrepreneur, and I have to tell you, within the first five minutes of meeting her, I thought, wow, this woman is incredibly intelligent, and she can see right through you. Like She's one of those people, one of those rare individuals who has no interest in kissing your butt or you know blowing smoke. She's just going to call it like she sees it, and she's going to speak the truth in a way that is intended and carefully crafted, like just the way she chooses each word is really intended to help you and to lift you and to help you see your own greatness. And sometimes that means pointing out your own shortcomings. But like, she really gets people. That's the first thing I noticed about Allison. And then I quickly learned how gifted and talented she is at helping people. I mean, the easiest way for me to describe it is make more money. And in particular, she's really devoted to helping people make more money and do that by making over their money mindset. She's helped so many people to craft a more spot-on message, especially when it comes to sales or selling from the stage. She is known as the Profit Accelerator for small business owners. I mean, she has coached hundreds, thousands of entrepreneurs. She's helped countless women, especially women of color, to step into their own, to come into their own and own the stage. She is, of course, herself a gifted public speaker. I have to tell you, I've seen her speak in front of groups of thousands of women and just bring the freaking house down. She's one of the most gifted communicators I've ever met. In fact, after this interview, I said to her, I go, do you have these things like written down or memorized? Like, you're so good with words. In this interview, what we're talking about specifically is how to make more money and how to get on the right stages and make that happen. Allison is a mentor. She's an expert who's touched tens of thousands of business owners. And she does so without like, I mean, she really lets people find her. She knows her worth and she knows how to help you understand yours. Without further ado, my friend, the fierce, the fabulous Allison Bird. Allison, people are in for such a treat right now because your energy is next level, number one. Number two, you don't put yourself out there. Like you're one of those very special people who has a gift. I don't mean to say this in a way that 
sounds disparaging towards people who do promote themselves, but like you just let people find you and the right people will find you, the right clients find you. How has that served you? Great question. There's a transformational sentence stem that I learned years ago from Jack Canfield. So anyone who has followed any of the Chicken Soup series, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Chicken Soup for Your Dog Soul, Chicken Soup for Your Daddy Soul, yeah. the whole thing. But he's got this sentence him that says, if you really knew me, you would know that I. Mm -hmm. And you fill in that sentence stem several times till you get to the core of whatever is true about you at that time in life. And so if you really knew me, you would know that I was abandoned at a very young age. My dad told me, I'll call you back when I was 12 years old and I'm 42 today and that's never happened. And so if you really knew me, you would know that I grew up a young African-American female in the South. If you really knew me, you'd know that my mom worked three jobs. And if you really knew me, you'd know that my relationship with achievement was very distant because my biggest relationship was with survival. Mm. So I was always working to survive in my life. When I stepped into entrepreneurship, I stepped in with that same partner, let's survive. So I had no concept of thriving, no concept of financial or time freedom, no concept of professional achievement, personal fulfillment, life provision, or the distinction between the three. No concept. I just had, let's get a check. So my conversation was feast or famine, but that navigation of the middle I didn't get. So when I stepped into entrepreneurship, I took whatever I could get, whatever deal I could get, whatever contracts. So I took some real sad money, Shaleen. Mm. I call it sad money. And that's when you're an entrepreneur that says, I'll take this money for this amount of time because you're just kind of trying to make it. But before you know it, you're 18 months, 24 months, 36 months, you're five years deep into being outside of alignment with your purpose you're calling your life assignment. And so you're playing small and you've probably established some type of notoriety, visibility, awareness by that time. And so now you're playing small in front of an audience and you can't pivot. Mm -hmm. And so there I was, that was my story. So if you really knew me, you would know I created a business we took 3,000 students at the time. Now that number is over 5,000. We took 3,000 students through my coaching, my mentoring, my workshops, and all of that was while I was out of alignment. Mm. Mm, okay, okay. So what I know for sure is that you can be gifted, you can be powerful, you can be anointed, you can be chosen, and you can be misaligned. Do people know when they're misaligned? And actually, how do we know would be a better question. What, what are some of the cues? Yeah. So what you know is when you are promising yourself something and it's always for the future, but the future never comes. Mm. It's the biggest one. Yeah. It's always tomorrow. This will be different. The mm. next contract, this will be a better fit for me. Yeah. What was your pivoting moment? What was the defining moment where you said, okay, nope, not this Yeah, way. I was standing in front of an audience in 2016. My mother had ascended the year before. I say ascended instead of passed away. And so my mother had ascended and my heart was broken with grief. 
I looked at where I was and I was standing in front of an audience of probably 200 entrepreneurial leaders that had all flown into San Antonio, Texas, where I used to live. And they were all looking at me with these doe eyes like, show me my future, show me my life, show me my vision. And all I could think about was, I want to be somewhere else. Wow. You were on stage I, in that moment? I was on stage. I was Just, on it's stage. hard to imagine because you've got these people in the palm of your hands who are looking not just at you, but to you, looking yeah. to you for direction. And in that moment, you felt like you were misdirected. I felt misdirected. And there's a such thing where people feel like there's a fraudulent syndrome where they feel like, am I worthy of this success? Should I have this level of success? Mm -hmm. Should I? I felt like I should have everything that I had because I manifested it. So I was very grateful for that. By that time, we had done, I think, $7 million in sales. I was very, very pleased with what we had created. I just knew I'd outgrown the space. You are still a speaker. You're still helping entrepreneurs. So on a very specific level, what part of it had you outgrown? The questions that people were asking me at that particular event, they were asking me questions that were at the root of, or not the root, let me say this, at the doorway of success. Mm. And I'm better serving people in their bedroom of success, in the intimate nature of what it is they're called and caused to do in the world. So they bring me into the inner sanctuary of their success. I was with people that were still discovering what does success look like for me? What is it that I want to curate for my audience? What message do I want to create? Mm. It was very new. And there's nothing wrong with being new and discovering and being fundamental and foundational, I just wasn't there anymore. And I realized standing in front of that audience, Shalene, I am betraying them and I am betraying my gift. And I stood in front of that audience and I repented right there out of my mouth. And I said, I'm in another world right now. Wow. I did. Wow. And that was the entryway. And that the event was the planner entryway. was like, oh no, what's happening? Somebody Everybody's get off the like, stage. <laughs> it's like, get her off. Wait, it's her event. And so the awareness, I took that awareness and we had sales from stage. We had, we anticipated we would do about $750,000 from that event. I canceled all the sales right then. Wow. We did, That's I want to say five, I remember the number on the spreadsheet, maybe 5127 or something in sales, 5,120 some odd dollars. And we did that just because we sold some people. They wanted like some replays of something. Mm -hmm. But I said, none of the programs that we promised we were going to sell, were we going to sell? Because here's the thing you have to think about. It is all money is not good money because sometimes the cost to fulfill it costs your soul. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You are a remarkable speaker. Public speaking and getting on the stage is something that a lot of our listeners want to do. They mm. want to push their businesses forward. They want that high. Some of them, some of them are petrified, terrified to get on stage to speak, but they see their idols and people who have great success that they're able to influence people from a stage and they want that, but they're afraid of that. So I want to start first with how it is you've become so comfortable at that craft and do you think that everyone has it in them or should pursue public speaking if that's 
something that is on their heart? So I'm a natural speaker. I'm a natural orator. I always have been from the time I was three years old. Here's what I know. You cannot be successful about anything that you are not verbal about. You cannot. So whatever your fear is, if it's getting on stage and being seen, if it's getting on live stream and doing video, if it's going in workshops, whatever your fear or wherever the fear is, it's not feel the fear and do it anyway when it comes to speaking. In my opinion, it is build a compensating strategy. And to me, that means if I'm afraid of it, then I go where I learn how to be great at it. Human potential experts say 15% of our success is based on four things, skill, knowledge, talent, education. So there's a big chunk, 85%, whether you're listening to a modern day Brendan Burchard, you're reading something like James Allen, as a man thinketh, he said the same thing. 85% is based on, will you give yourself permission? So if you're afraid, the fear is based on, I've not given myself permission to own success in that space. So you've got to go work through your ownership and your permission before you work into the skill, knowledge, talent, and education of it. That's my thought. That's fair. That's great. I love that. So how is it that you've been able to take your ability as a communicator, as someone who's very skilled and captivating on the stage, and use that to be able to serve people in a way that you can monetize public speaking? In other words, you can sell from the stage. That's what we call it in in the industry. People will Mm. call me and say like, hey, do you know someone who can sell from the stage on this particular topic? They're always looking for somebody who they can introduce to their audience who is good for it, right? They, they can't just teach it. They, they really know how to take care of people in that regard. They're an expert and I need an expert. I'm getting this all the time. I need an expert who not only can speak on this, but can train on this and my people can invest in them. And, and so it's a very in-demand individual who can not just speak from the stage, but also sell from the stage. How did you get your start selling from the stage? And is that what you call it? I do. I believe that sales is the final part of the agreement that you make with someone from stage. I believe that you initially have a conversation around enrollment because I believe enrollment is bringing people into an awareness that more is possible. So you got to first take people into, is it even possible? So if you can get them there and you can get them enrolled in it's possible, then the next thing you've got to enroll them into is I'm the one to take you into relationship with the possibility. So if you're selling a weight loss product, it's possible you can be more fit than you are now. It's possible that I can show you the way. It's possible that my seven-step method is that way. It's possible that you can invest in yourself to learn that seven-step method. It's possible that you can spend the next eight weeks doing that seven-step process with me. It's possible you can walk away after eight weeks with a degree of results, new realities, new excitement, new results, new reward, new return. That's possible. If you can get people through those degrees of possibility, then they start getting excited and they get out of their circumstance and they're more in possibility. 
Wow. Let's say that we've tried and someone listening, they fear that their first time is going to be a complete bomb. How do you recover from that? I'm sure that you've helped people to recover from that. How do you do that? Well, and I've been that person. So, well, I went and a former boss of mine who has since become one of my best friends, she invited me to a lunch and said, I'm going to invite the person who runs the San Antonio Manufacturers Association. And I'm going to invite them because San Antonio, Texas is divided in medical and manufacturing as the two biggest financial kind of arms in San Antonio and areas of employment. She said, you can be their corporate trainer, et cetera, et cetera. She invites him. We click. It works so well. He said, come speak at our major event. Come sell there. You're going to do so well. I'm going to sell my $7,800 coaching and leadership package. I was ready for it, Shalene. And I knew I was going to sell at least 10 and make $78,000 in one afternoon. And I get into the room and I make the offer and not one person moves. How is that possible? Not one. I don't, well, I don't even believe that's possible. Not one. Here's what I became clear on. First, I thought I bombed. But what I know for sure today in hindsight, I was in a room as an African-American female, young female. Mm. Manufacturing organizations are run by primarily white white or Hispanic in Texas, males, high ego, and who they're not going to bring to train their person is this little black girl. Mm. And so it wasn't about racism. So it wasn't racism. It was positioning. And I became very clear that if you go into an environment that you have not vetted, that it is your demographic to speak to. Say that again. If you go into an environment where you haven't vetted the demographic, then it is your demographic? No. If you haven't vetted that they are your demographic, then you cannot speak within their psychographic. Okay. I get it. Right? So you're not even in their language. So you don't fit. So your conversion ain't going to happen. It can't. Right. It can't. So I learned right environment, right people, and I learned the pre-work. And so that is what makes a difference on conversion is that you have pre-work, that you understand the demographic and the psychographic of the audience. You understand how the host has curated that audience. Mm. You understand their language, their energy. And bigger than that for your pre-work, you have a message so big in the market that people know who you are and they only invite you into right aligned spaces. Mm-hmm. Allison, because, you've just been invited back to that same group of men. Yeah. How do you position your message differently? You mean, would I go? <laughs> okay, let's start with that. I wouldn't go. Mm. I wouldn't go. So there are opportunities where... I just know it's not the right fit. Not mine. Mm-hmm. Not mine. I wouldn't go, great. but I would refer someone else to go. Listen, if you fight to fit, <laughs> we, we didn't come in this world to fit. We came in this world to add. If that environment doesn't want your addition, don't count yourself as a subtraction. 
What Don't is the mo- minute mark of that truth bomb? <laughs> That's going on a shirt. That's going to get tweeted. That's going to be reshared. That's a quote card. Girl, we did not come here to fight to fit in. We came here to add. Add. Wow. Add. Wow. That's yeah. huge. It helps me feel so much more empowered by the things I've declined this year because I just knew that, first of all, as much as they're saying I'm the right fit, they haven't looked at me close enough because I'm not. I'm not mm. the right fit for that event. Mm-hmm. And I would have to, I would really have to change who I am and how I deliver and how I show up to serve their audience because I don't even think they'd hear the message. Mm-hmm. So that, that's really empowering because I've often wondered, like, do I just need to get better about, you know, shaping my message in a way that serves their audience? But I think what you're saying is we as speakers, like we have so much more control over our ability to be in the right environments, in the right audience, serving the right people, not just saying like, oh, this person wants to hire me to speak or to sell from the stage, but I have something these people need. And that does make us feel empowered. And that does make us feel like we're speaking our truth from the stage. And those are the events when I'm on the stage and I, I know who's in the audience because I've done that research and I want to grab every single one of them and say, like, this is it. I'm so excited for them. Let's talk about that feeling. I know what it is for me, but when it comes to the price, when it comes to the, you know, and for a small investment of or whatever the transition is that people tend to make, why is it so many people struggle with their price? Well, I think it's because they don't know their UPP, their unique pricing position. Why are you priced that way? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really important whenever I'm selling from a stage and I'm selling something and I say to somebody that it's $25,000 or $997, whatever the number is. When I say it, I say, here's why this is this price. Mm. So you have to be able to tell people, listen, this is the value. So to me, you've got to know a few things. Number one, you've got to know your unique pricing position. How do you know that? You've got to know your unique value position. So the distinction is the value that I'll bring is this. So it's like, you know, it's $19.99 value, but $9.99 in actual execution. Wow. So you've got to know your unique value. Mm -hmm. I think you also have to know your USP, your unique selling position. Why are you the one that's supposed to sell it? And you have to qualify yourself right there in front of the audience. I am uniquely qualified to sell this to you because. And then you've got to know your UEP, your unique enrolling position. Mm, This I've never heard before. I'm taking notes. Yeah. Your UEP is based on who they are. You are right if. And so you've got to tell them you align with me because you are whatever it is. If you're selling weight, weight loss, it's because you're ready to get to another level of fitness. If it's because you want to be a better speaker, it's because you want to speak and sell and work from anywhere. If you want whatever it is, you've got to tell the audience you want this. And then they nod their head. I do want that. You came for this. I did come for this. You've told yourself for the last six months, I'm going to do it, but you haven't. I did say that. <laughs> well, now make good on your promise. I'm here here it is. Here's the price. I made it easy. Here's the value. Let's do it. Game on. 
all excuses off the table. Then they're like, yeah. <laughs> and they feel that they feel that burst. And then of course you have a three day right of rescission for people who are still confused. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> still Alice, unclear. Allison, your message, the things that you teach, your skill, your craft, they're universal. Why is it you are so devoted to helping women and in particular women of color? Mm. Yeah, I'm huge about women and I'm huge about women of color and I'll put them in while they share categories or they have, you know, kind of some crossover, they are distinctive. And the average female entrepreneurial woman Mm -hmm. in North America today makes $38,000 a year average. So when we see all these great ads and promotions and stories of million dollar money makers, Mm -hmm. the numbers don't reveal that as many people promote they're making that are real. Because if that were the case, then CNBC would change their story. (laughs) CNBC at the beginning of last year released an article that said, if you want to be in the top 1% as a woman earner, then you would need to marry into money to make that happen. CNBC said that. Wow. It's insane to me. I find so many women that confuse the word service for selling. So I want to be very clear. You cannot service what hasn't been sold. How can you service anything that nobody bought? So give me an example where people are using this and not making that distinction. Yeah. They say, I just want to serve. I want to help people. Oh, I see what you're saying. As if to imply, but I don't want to sell anything that I don't want to ask for my value, my worth. Yeah. And I think that you've got to consider, you know, when I think about driving a Chevy and how I got from A to B, I was so excited getting from A to B in the Chevy felt great. But I'm going to tell you, when I bought my luxury car and I got to that dealership and he said, Miss Bird, we want to show you that you've got a seat massager. We want to show you that you live in Texas. You have air-conditioned vented seats and an air-conditioned steering wheel because it gets 103, 105. We want to show you, Miss Bird, that you've got Wi-Fi in your car so you can work on the go. Wait a minute. You mean you increase my efficiency? my productivity, my physical feeling when I'm in the, you mean to tell me all this is available? Had he not sold that to me, I never would have been able to be served with all of those things. Mm. So you've got to think about whatever you're bringing to the market. If, you know, if you cannot experience the return of that reward into your life, the way you're promising a return in theirs, is it really rewarding? Because rewards, I don't believe are one-sided. Generosity, philanthropy, volunteerism, those are. Mm -hmm. When you volunteer, you give benefit out. Mm -hmm. But when you are in business, there has to be a trilogy. It has to be a win, a win, a win. Yes. Yeah, there has to be an exchange. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions if I can about speaking and selling. I'm not even ready to start selling from the stage. I just want to start speaking from the stage. I do have an expertise. I've got a course. I've got a little bit of a following and I want to get on people's stages. How do I do that? How do I know how to price myself or am I offering my services for free? 
Yeah, I think you do like I did, which I loved. I used the Tupperware model. It's my favorite. So I'm 42. So I remember Tupperware. I don't know if you're millennials. I think it's still going strong, isn't it? I think Tupperware is still a thing. Is it really? I believe so. So in the Tupperware model, someone would host, you would show up, you would have your pamphlet and you would show all the different ways Tupperware worked and then you would show and then people would buy. So when I started, I started that way. I had my book, When God Takes a Bath. I had my CD and I would have friends. Uh, I lived in Texas. So I would have San Antonio, Austin, Houston, Dallas. Then I went into Oklahoma. I went into every place where I had friends, Atlanta. And I would say, can you host this? And so they would host it. They would put up 10, 15 friends and I would stand in front of that room and I would speak. And then I would sell my 695 coaching package girl. And you know, five to eight people would buy. (laughs) I'm loving this because we always think I, I, well, I need to start on the big stage and Certainly because we host events, we get so many emails from people that are like, I want to speak for you this year. I'm, here's my pet peeve. I'm going okay. to speak for you this year. <laughs> like, that's my pet peeve. I, I, I don't, They're like, speaking their manifestation into you. Yeah, like, I'm like, well, that, that's so presumptuous. And no, you've just really turned me off because mm. that's great that I get to serve you, but how do you serve me? Like, that doesn't resonate with me at all. So I wouldn't suggest anyone use that approach. I will speak just so you, they'll come up right up to me and say, just so you know, I will be speaking from your stage next year. I'm like, well, then I'll be dead. <laughs> Because <laughs> you just really turned me off. And I love the confidence, but it's misguided. It so is. let's talk about some of it. What should people do? I want to speak on your stage, Allison. When you hold your next event, I want you thinking, like, my name comes out of your mouth first. What do I have to do to make that happen? Yeah, I think that there's a distinction between public relations and reputation. So public relations is what you pay for. Reputation is what you curate. Mm. And so I think that you've got to have both. So you've got to have public relations where there are more people talking about you than you. Mm. And so you've got to give yourself permission. People are always looking at what do I invest in? Invest in some PR and some credibility, number one. Number two, invest in getting in front of people who become your mouthpieces because the way that people find out about me is they'll say, I heard your name at least four or five times before they even touch me. Mm. So other people speak on your behalf. If you are always your mouthpiece, then your effort is in the wrong area. Mm. If you are always the one working to get yourself more impact, more influence, and driving that income, your effort is in the wrong area. So you got to spend a lot more effort in curating reputation. And reputation is built out of, I promised this and I delivered this. So if you give a promise and you deliver it to the market, then the market will respond and they will be very generous about you and they will speak well of you and it will get to the right ears. Mm. That's my thought. I'd love to hear your opinion on this. I'll share mine and that, and I've had plenty of guests who disagree with the approach. I'm a big fan of serving the people who you want to get on their stages, the people who you want to mentor you. Obviously, you've done a lot of that yourself. And for the first several years of my public speaking career, my career as a public speaker, being in business environments where I was speaking to you know large audiences, I did so for free. I always said there's no speaker fee. Oftentimes I would ask, here's how I got my first big break was to speak 
on behalf of Brian Tracy at one of his events. And I just mm. asked if I could get on stage and share my own testimonial about one of his high ticket events. And I said, I've got this prepared. I'd like to do it. And he said, go ahead, young lady. And, and as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll give you an affiliate fee for anything that you sell during that time. And so like that was really my first opportunity of, of selling. And I did. I sold four spots and I think they were $18,000 spots. And I, wow. without intention other than to say deep, deep, deep gratitude, I said to Brian's team, I don't want a penny. He just put me on stage. He poured all this information into me. I don't deserve a penny. I don't want a penny. And when can I do this again? And I did it as often as I could. And to this day, I have deep, deep gratitude for him. Think about him all the time. And I did that for many of the people who were my coaches and mentors, I would offer to just, can I go on stage and share a little bit about how I actually took this information and used it? And that turned into longer presentations. Well, you know, we're going to give you 30 minutes where you can talk about fill in the blank. And I, I never asked for a fee. And then eventually I was able to, you know, sell my own offerings from the stage. But for several years, I did so out of gratitude. What are your feelings on that? Because I've heard plenty of people say, like, I don't do free. Yeah. So I think that it depends on where you are in your journey. So to me, if you are in the doorway of this new realm of destiny that you've decided for yourself, then I think you've got to be... The thing that you have the most of is time and talent. Mm. So get out there. I mean, I did that, you know, for Lisa Nichols yeah. and, you know, took her training and turned it into $480,000. And I told that story and it made a huge difference for me. I would not have made my first million dollars without that training and without telling my testimonial and without all of the visibility and notoriety that came as a result of that. Mm. So I'm a huge proponent of investing your time and talent. And then I think as you start to graduate in levels of success, you do begin to protect your time. I will still do free today. So I will still do free today. And where I will do free is I will do free when it is a mentor, when it is a mentee. So when it's a mentor that has coached me up in some way, I just wrote about this in USA Today about a mentor who coached me up with longstanding info that I will never leave out of my psyche. I would do anything for him at no cost. Yeah. For a mentee, I have a mentee right now who's doing phenomenally out of the Tony Robbins organization. And anything she asked me to do, I would say yes, yeah. because of how she invests in herself. Beautiful. And that makes a difference. So I'm a huge proponent of it, Shalene. But I also think it has to do with how you feel where you are in life. If you're in a scarcity place, you can't think of generosity. And if you're in a lonely place, you can't think of giving of yourself because you're so restricted. So that's what I think is it depends on the character and nature of where you are in that season of life. Thank you for that. You mentioned scarcity. And I don't know that we really talked enough about the fact that so many women and, and particular women of color who struggle with that money mindset and why women feel so guilty 
about making money and asking for their worth. And you've helped a lot of people with that. Why is that important to you? Why does that need to be important to them to work on that? Yeah, there's an essay that was written. W.E.B. Du Bois is credited for it. However, if I'm not mistaken, Morehouse was the one who actually wrote the initial essay. Mm -hmm. And it's called The Talented Tenth. And Morehouse wrote this essay when Black people were being emancipated. And what he said was, listen, you can make them free all you want because slavery is in their DNA. Mm. It is a part of who they be. Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about this today. So he says, it's a part of who they be. So it's always going to be in their culture. So he says, if you want to free them, you have to understand it's going to take 400 years before anyone is going to be truly free. And by the way, this is why it's called the talented 10. He says, one out of every 10 will actually rise. Nine will look at the risen one, wait for it, and say, you're now responsible for me. Mm. So now the one that has risen has survivor's remorse. Mm, Yeah. And what also happens is when that one is risen through the rise process, they say to themselves, God, if you ever let me get to this success, I promise I'll do this for everybody. And they grow in success with a farmer's mentality, but then they arrive to success and they start having a gardener's mentality, which is protecting their own territory Mm. because they feel like, how can I save everyone? Allison, is this specific to, do you think specific to women, specific to people of color? I think it's huge for women of color Mm. and I think it's huge for people. I think humans in general, when you talk about unlimited potential and Mm. success, Mm. they freak out and they go, wait a minute, nobody around me is doing that. And now I'm responsible for this person. I think Mm. they start doing that. But I think that people of color, not just black women, but black women, brown women, Asian women, Mm. Latin women, I think that we all start thinking when I become successful, I will begin saving. And that's the problem. Saving, saving people. Yes. Your success is not meant to save. Mm. What is it meant for? That's a great question. I believe that your success is meant for contribution and that's distinctive of saving. Wow. Okay. You are so talented and gifted. Even your language is so powerful and motivating off the cuff. Like, we're not talking about memorizing speeches. I mean, we've had face-to-face conversations. I mean, the very first time I met you, I thought, wow, this is a wordsmith. This is somebody who speaks in a language that empowers. And just even your word choice can feel intimidating to someone who is thinking, I just, I don't have that gift to stand on stage and, and to speak extemporaneously in a way that moves people. Can you share with us examples of people who maybe they're not the, you don't have to name names, but is it possible for me to be a motivational speaker, to be the kind of person who moves people to take action if I don't have the gift of communication, if I don't have your ability to just find the right words when you need them and those power words and to command people to their feet. If I stumble for my words and I'm not that articulate and my vocabulary is much smaller than yours. I would say 
First of all, if you haven't read the book or listened to the TED Talk by Daniel Pink, To Sell is Human, Yes, then you should, right? Anyone listening, then you should. Because what Daniel Pink talks about is that it is our natural and innate ability that we enroll and sell people into things every single day. So somewhere you're missing what's really true about you. Mm. If you think I'm too shy, I'm not articulate, I'm not this, I'm not that, then you are missing an opportunity to expand in both your permission, 85%, and also in your skill, knowledge, talent, education, 15%. So why do we get courses, training, tutelage, because of the 15%. Why do we have mentors and coaches? Because of the 85%. That's right. Right? So So you're missing that. I love listening to a woman named Alison Armstrong, who teaches on relationships and sensuality and all of this. You've had her as a guest. Yeah. I don't think Alison's the most extraordinary speaker, but I think she knows what she knows. And I think that she has transformed formed the world. So I think you've got to look at egos. I call them egos or personas that are out in the world that are already doing something really remarkable. Dr. Brene Brown. I don't think Brene Brown is captivating, but I think she's smart. I believe she's- Her messages. I believe her message has a method partnered with it. And whenever you have a message and a method partnered, it's undeniable. So that's what I think. I don't think that it's charisma that's required. I don't even think it's personality. The mentor that I told you that I invested almost Mm $70,000, he's very boring. (laughs) <laughs> and Happy man, and, Brian Tracy. <laughs> and and he's so he's not only boring, Shaleen, but he's a intense introvert. So he doesn't even like being with you when you're with him. Mm. And it's evident. Wow. And so we would go, I would fly in and I would they would say, You're gonna fly in for your day. And literally, we would walk to his grocery store, walk back to his house, and then he'd say, Any more questions? Like whatever I I got from him on the walk to the grocery store. He was done. That's it. That was it. But I will tell you, after the first walk to the grocery store, I came back. I signed a $2.3 million contract after that. Mm. So you have to, you know, so I learned to glean from him as a mentor. But to answer your question, I don't think you have to be high on charisma, high on charm, high on anything other than the skill, the knowledge, the talent, the education for the method that you're presenting to the world and high on your permission to be seen and heard so that you can leverage that to be paid. That's what I believe. A lot of these podcasts, they ask questions that they already know the answers to, and that's a pretty safe thing to do. I don't know the answer to this question, so I'm going to ask it anyways. Do you take on people? Do you mentor people? Do you coach people? Can they train with you? Can they learn from you how to do this specifically? Yeah. So in our agency, we do. So through Propel, our partnership, we do. And the way that we do that is we build communities for thought leaders and influencers. And then I support them with the promotion of that when they're going on stages, on platforms, live streams, workshops. So the way that you work with me directly is you are a partner with us inside of our agency. And then twice a year, I open up for 
what I call like uh, basically VIP days and experiences. And I do them either in California or I might do them on the East Coast in DC or New York. And I'll do those single focused one days. And I typically take somewhere about 10 to 12 people to do that twice a year. Now, will that just be women or men and women? It's just women. Just women. I've learned that I feel my highest self when I work with women. I know that you have an opportunity for people to invest in this, like an entry-level investment, if you will, to start where they need to start, which is around money. Can you tell us a little bit about that? It's one of my favorite tools, and I'm a huge proponent of reading. I believe that leaders are readers. And I believe that note takers are money makers. <laughs> so, you know, if you're, you know, whenever I have someone that I value, I pull out my phone. And I think I told you this when we met. I said, I'm not texting, I'm taking notes. Yes. You were saying things that were smart. Anyone in your presence should have their phone out, a pen, a pad, something. So I'm a huge proponent of that. And I believe that one of the things that, we become accustomed to is breakthrough in seconds. So we read an Instagram post, a Twitter uh, post, uh, a LinkedIn blog or something, and it only takes us three minutes to read it. And so we started becoming accustomed to that. So now I write books and guides that would, and literally in the book or the guide will say, this is a three minute read, or this is a, and a I gift. help. That's valuable. <laughs> I help them, you know. Who's I got time? Them. That's so smart. So, so yeah. smart of you. Yeah, who's got time? And, and also, I dropped out of high school when I was 15. No, you did not. I did. I dropped out when I was 15. I went back when I was 19, and I graduated when I was 20. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Wow. Talk about follow through. Yeah, thank you. So, my relationship with learning and studying didn't come through the normal process of education and post-education. It came through my desire to be a better person mm -hmm. and to be a contributor of my gift to the world and to my God. And so I write tools that help people be that. So this money makeover guide is very short, very succinct, and it's very easy to read. And I always tell people, if you can invest 10 minutes and shift one belief that has created any measure of hesitation, maybe it didn't stop you, maybe it didn't, you know, debilitate you, but it causes you to hesitate. If I would have ever hesitated when we met, like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be smart around Shalene or, oh my God, she's this huge mega brand. Maybe I should cower down and be in the shadow of myself instead of the sunlight of who I truly am. That hesitation never would have allowed us to have the relationship that we're developing and building today. Mm, this is true. This is true. Yeah. So you got to take out your hesitations. Yeah. And I believe the money makeover guide takes out your hesitation in your relationship and dialogue with money. It's very helpful. And it'll take you about 10 minutes to read. That's such a cool thing. Allison, is there a link where they can get their hands on the guide that we can send people to? Yeah, it's super easy. If you just go to the MM, like money makeover, mm -hmm. the mmguide.com, you can snag it right there. It's super easy. Awesome. The mmguide.com. Now, I do want to say something though, Shalene. Yes, please. Because it's not free. Well, so I wouldn't I think, think that it would be. That's the first shift they need to make. <laughs> <laughs> right? 
It's not free. I do believe that transformation and transaction go hand in hand. So I do want to say that. So it is my gift to you. And it's my gift to you because I took the time, the energy, the knowledge, and my skills to write it for you. And so it's up to you to invest in yourself and bring it into your into your world. I love it. You are remarkable. I love being around your energy. You're just really could spend a couple of hours here, but thank you so much for the way that you have poured graciously into my audience and shared with us so many just great stories and inspiration. And I'm really excited to be able to develop our friendship and our working relationship. And I I learned from you. I've had such a great time watching you online and watching you help us with our business, help friends in their businesses, and to be able to see you speak. So it's really exciting. And I just want to thank you. Thank you for for stepping out of that comfort zone, I guess, at the opportunity. We both did that day that we got to meet. And I just think that's that's always God, always at play, never a coincidence. But I just feel blessed to know you. You are so wonderfully yourself. So wonderfully yourself. That's that's the ultimate compliment. Yeah, that's what makes it a joy to be around you. You are so wonderful being yourself. And this can make the pot or not, but for anyone who wants more of what you got, I would encourage them to listen to Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. Because that meditation series is so powerful about inviting. I think statistics show us, Shalene, that Breaking the the Habit of Being Yourself. Uh huh. And statistics show us that by the time we're 35, something like 90% of us is borrowed. I believe that. Yeah. Especially in social media, especially (laughs) in social media. 90% of us is borrowed. So when you meet someone who is so much of themselves, it's really good to ask them, how did you, how did you get the courage to be her? So that's my joy when I'm with you. Thank you so much. I love you. Hi, this is Brooke Powers, Vice President at Smart Life, and I wanted to tell you about one of my favorite products that we have. It's our push journal. And we created the push journal because we know that you want to be making progress towards your goals. And in order to do that, you need a better system to hold yourself accountable. The problem is you've tried countless planners and journals and nothing seems to stick, let alone be effective, which I'm sure can make you feel defeated. We believe it shouldn't be a burden to keep track of your productivity and hit your goals. We understand that motivation, organization, and sticking to a routine can be a struggle. We've motivated and helped thousands of people to identify and set goals and stay focused on daily tasks that increase productivity that actually help you hit your goals. Does this sound like you? This is all you need to do. Go to pushjournal.com and order your push journal set. While you're waiting for your journals, Download the instruction booklet at pushjournal.com to get an early start on setting your push goal and to get a little taste of how the system works. Stop wasting money on goal-setting journals or programs that don't stick long-term. Instead, find confidence in using a push journal for life. Trust me, you'll be addicted just like me. 